Hey everyone, welcome to the Fight to Thrive podcast. I'm Dr. Tyler Simmett. I'm a physical therapist and the captain in the U.S. Army. So this podcast is meant to serve as kind of your one-stop shop for tools to improve the physical, psychological, nutritional, emotional, and spiritual aspects of your life as I'm going to speak with experts throughout all of these fields. Now the show is called Fight to Thrive because you know this knowledge is great, but if you don't have the discipline to keep fighting every day to become a better version of yourself through this information, this podcast simply isn't going to help you. So keep fighting and let's take better care of ourselves so we can ultimately take better care of others. I do have to mention that the views expressed in this podcast are that of myself and my guests and do not reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This week, we have a special guest, Colonel Deidre Tehan, uh, who she's uh, formerly trained as a a physical therapist, went to the same uh, physical therapy school I did, uh, U.S. Army Baylor. That's correct, ma'am, right? <laughs> yep, and uh, so she's had an abundance of research within the field uh, of physical therapy and beyond, and, and particularly involved in in H2F and and how the Army has been kind of looking at this more holistic approach towards patient care. And um, there's a lot of research that she's done and rollouts that she's been a part of to include like performance triad and the Move to Health initiative to help put this focus more on the holistic uh, aspect of patient care and changing the mentality from, you know, more medications and putting band-aids types of things. And instead of looking at that, looking more at uh, lifestyle and and changing habits and and changing, making small changes that can make a big impact over time. Uh, She's currently the deputy lead for therapeutics for the COVID-19 vaccine and therapeutics operation, which was formerly known as Operation Warp Speed. Um, so excited to hear about that. But uh, yeah, ma'am, thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're excited to have you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Did any all of that sound okay? I think it's wonderful. You know, I think that the challenge that we have to realize is that, you know, less than 24% of Americans qualify to serve our nation and less than 1% do. So that 1% that qualifies and volunteers to serve our country is the top 1%. And I think fundamentally what holistic health and fitness does is invest in that top 1% like they invest in our country. And I think it's really important that we invest in our people. And H2F is really a vision about how do we invest in our people. And, you know, and I think the other thing just as we start is, you know, if you go to a running shoe store, you will see tons of running shoes on the wall. If you go to a start of a road race, There'll be people there that are in singlets and shorts, and there'll be people there in sweatshirts and hats and gloves. Every human is different. And why we have so many shoes on the wall is that we all run a little different. We all have different preferences. Some people like their shoes tighter. Some like them looser. And same with going to a road race. Some people get hot. Some people get cold. But we know there's variety. And this is very different than a a tank, right? We know all the parts that go onto a tank. We know how a tank runs. There's not many variants in it. So when you think about the Army, and let's say we have a million soldiers, there's a million variants of that soldier. And so by putting subject matter experts in the units to help soldiers optimize their holistic health, we're investing in all those soldiers that are our most important um, asset. I do believe people make up the Army. It's our most important um, weapon. I do believe um, that is incredibly critical. And 
And I'm so excited the Army is taking this step to invest in the people that invest so much in our country. Yeah, thank you for that, ma'am. And it, as you're kind of talking through that, it kind of it always makes me think back to professional sports because you're you're talking about like the top one percent. I think societally and where we're putting our a lot of finances at are in like professional sports. And so then they've had this great team of health experts to help them with these holistic type of pursuits for for decades, right? And now we're finally kind of coming around to this and saying, hey, this is this is worth every dime that we put into it, not only just from an injury prevention piece, but also really optimizing performance as they're trying to do in professional athletics, because ultimately that's what we're here to do is to win wars, right? Right. And, and winning definitely matters. Um, people first winning matters is is obviously what General McConville shares, and I completely 100% agree with that. And I think the thing that you said that's critical is, you know, yes, we want people to think about themselves as a professional soldier athlete, but here actually... <laughs> it's not a sport, right? Actually, lives are on the line. And so the physical supremacy, the decision dominance, and the emotional resilience our soldiers have either will help keep them alive on the battlefield or will cost lives on the battlefield. And the one thing I would say is that, you know, my cousin was a scout. Um, He was a scout for many years, both at uh, Fort Campbell and at Schofield Barracks. And when he, he deployed a lot, And he tells a story of having to write to 12 mothers on Mother's Day about folks that would not come home. And and this was obviously a a long time ago. But as I hear his story, what I heard was all those things you just said of what we would do for a professional soldier athlete. They didn't really know how to do to optimize how well you could perform physically, how well you can make decisions on the battlefield and that resilience are hardening to make sure that you could endure the battles and actually make the right decisions, even when there's a lot of stress and pressure. And if we apply all of those things um, to soldiers in garrison, we're going to optimize how well they perform, not only when they're deployed, but we're going to optimize their survivability so that my scouts like my cousin, who was just an amazing NCO, doesn't have to write letters um, home on Mother's Day to folks that of, of, of lost soldiers. And, and so winning matters, but also survivability does. These folks have invested so much in our country and H2F gives us the ability to invest back in them holistically in I think what you said was so critical, but unlike just waking up like or thinking of yourself as a professional soldier athlete, it's really about that warrior spirit. You know, if you go to unit PT every morning, the idea is to wake up that warrior spirit at unit PT. And I'm pretty sure knee circles does not get that right. (laughs) Like if you go to PT every morning and you're doing the daily dozen and you're doing knee circles and you're not waking up that inner warrior spirit that has to be really challenged physically, cognitively, and emotionally, and being able to put that all together in a package. And if we allow the Daily Dozen to be unit PT, we're really not setting everyone up for those challenges when we're deployed, where you not only have to have that physical stamina, but you have to be making decisions while you are actually exerting yourself. And you have to have the wherewithal to be able to make the right decision at the right time. And unlike prior wars where no one watched us, every time we're in a war zone now, the whole world is watching us because social media and technology allows the battle to be seen in real time. So airs, tactical airs on today's battlefield 
have strategic consequences because of how quickly those errors are amplified um, throughout technology. So it's more important now than ever that we're making the right decision at the right time and we have that emotional resilience to know when to uh, to attack and when not to attack. And, and, and being able to keep that cool, it's not just about losing your cool because another team scored a point. It's about being able to maintain that emotional resilience so that you're really ensuring that you're you're not hitting, hitting just your tactical target, but you're having a strategic success with that battle. Yeah, thank you. I, I also think of it is sometimes I, I would say that soldiers have more emotional and, and mental and physical demands than maybe a professional athlete would. First of all, they're not bringing home that paycheck, right? So they're not going to have the same resources available to them. But also, you know, if you look at field training missions, like needing to sleep outside, deployments, being prolonged separations from your family, um, and maybe not as, as easy of access to good nutrition, and, and all of these things kind of compound to be like, we need this team of dedicated H2F professionals more than ever. And it's there, there's so much complexity within a, a soldier an average soldier's life that if, if they are able to use the, this at this program to what I foresee it being um, to its full capacity, I think that it, it, they learn to, as you said, this is like, this is a system. There's so many different parts to it. And it, it could be difficult, just uh, kind of overwhelming, even from someone who works in it, I'm involved in it every day. It's kind of over, overwhelming for me to try and manage my sleep, my nutrition, my, and everything and try to fit everything into one day and still get up for PT in the morning and, you know, get home and cook dinner and all of those things. And so uh, I think, I think we're kind of hitting the nail on the head for where we need to go. Um, and then, you know, speaking of that, where, where do you kind of see this program going? You know, as I, I read some of your, your research in preparation for this, and one of the articles I looked at was putting the person first, right? And, and being able to look at this, like, as I mentioned, for more of a preventative versus a reactionary approach to care and then giving soldiers that unique opportunity to uh, have access to all these highly trained professionals. Um, and, you know, as we've seen in, in the past in the military, sometimes the rollouts of these things can be a little bit difficult and delayed. So just curious how you see this kind of rolling forward and, and you know, potential timelines and things like that for uh, when we really see it kind of going, getting full forced. Yeah, so I think it's incredibly critical when we roll this out that we get the buy-in of the leadership of the unit and we understand what the priorities are of those leaders and then we show how the H2F team can achieve those results. And then we move on to the next priority. What I think we can't do is what I call boil the ocean. We can't go in and, and try to fix everything at first. We wanna fix one specific um, issue, address that, show how we can make an impact and move on. I'll give an example. So when I was the MTF commander at Schofield Barracks, I really thought I was gonna go out there and really help all the brigades across the board. But what I found is that different brigade commanders had different priorities. So the third brigade commander was all about fueling for performance in the field, and he was all about injury um, prevention and profile PT. And what we did is we helped him build a gym that really was just centered for those on profile so that they can really get back to duty as quickly as possible in a safe manner by giving them all the techniques and all the technology to help them with that. So they just weren't walking up and down the street during unit PT. That's not going to get you back from an injury. You need to get in there and do strength training and you need to do aerobic training in an area that won't hurt your injury. And by focusing on that, 
he was able to dramatically decrease injuries. When he focused on the fueling, he really ordered a, a specific type of ration. We all know the MREs, but if what you're going to do requires more calories than the MREs provide, the Army has what's called a more ration. So in the more ration is caffeinated gum, it's the caffeinated pudding, the caffeinated applesauce, all these different performance food that you can eat on the go. His unit loved it. And they actually, because they fueled better, they performed better. And because they were fueled better, not only did they have more physical stamina, but they were making better decisions and they had more emotional resilience because they didn't get the hangries, right? And so it really mattered, but he had very specific goals but those goals then actually improved the readiness of the whole unit. While another brigade focused on sleep mission planning, another one focused on integrating yoga and mindfulness, they all had different personalities, but the science behind all of that could help all of the brigades based on what the leaders want. And so once we understand what the leadership goals are for readiness, the idea is to then mobilize the H2F team behind that so that we can actually make that mission, uh, that vision a success and then grow from there. Just like it is with an individual, small changes make a big difference. Um, really with the unit, it's the same thing. You want to figure out what that first goal you can achieve, achieve it, and then move on to the next goal. Got it. So within, because I know that there's a lot of individual like HTF providers that listen to this. And so I was wondering if you could give some feedback or suggestions as to how to shift from more of that patient approach to like a person-centered approach for some of these new providers coming into these units. Yeah. So, you know, in patient care, um, we really learned that concept of um, meeting patients where they need to be met and then going down the road with them through motivational interviewing, right? And so motivational interviewing is a technique that helps an individual along their journey. And I'll give an example, then I'm going to apply it. So when we first rolled out Performance Triad for the Army, which was a precursor to H2F, we took it to a unit at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and this one soldier wrote a letter to the Surgeon General thanking her to really how it changed his life. And really at the start of the letter, he was going to be kicked out of the Army because he was on the Army Body Composition Program. And he didn't think he was overweight, but he was really 40 pounds overweight. He wasn't even close, right? But he thought everyone else was getting around the rules by having a thick neck. And just because he didn't have a thick neck, he was being persecuted and he was going to be kicked out of the Army for being overweight. And he really wanted to do one tour of service because he thought that was important in his internal goal to serve our country. So we brought in performance triad and he said, you know, they said small changes make a big difference. Maybe I can do this. And he said, you know what? My first thing was is I was eating at Burger King every day and I was having a double cheeseburger with bacon, large fry, large soda. And maybe just maybe I could just go to a single cheeseburger, no bacon, medium fry and a medium soda. Right. And he said, when I did that, the weight fell off and I just felt lost like five pounds within the first week. And well, obviously we all know that. But for him, that was very his first step, and it's what he was willing to do. I don't think a dietitian would say still go to Burger King every day, but that's what he was willing to do on his journey to a better state of readiness. Then he went from soda to Gatorade. Then he went from Gatorade to water, and he walked us down the path of all the small changes he made, and he lost 35 pounds. And he did it all through the performance triad, which is really the tenets of H2F. And he said, but I still want to lose five more pounds. And so by the time we got the letter, we called him, and he said, hey, I've already lost the additional five pounds. I just looked back at 
what other small things I can do from the performance tribe curriculum. And I tried a few more and the rest of the weight came off, but it was small changes that make a big difference. Well, we know that as a motivational interviewing technique to meet people where they need to be met and help them on what they're willing to do and help them guide them on that journey. We need to also do that with the leadership. We need to find out what the leaders are willing to do. And then the programmatics that we put together is going to need to be finessed for that unit to meet the leader's goals. So I think when we get after this, it's about meeting people where they need to be met, making sure that we then apply the best sports science possible and behavior change um, research, because it really is um, just as hard it is to change your diet. It's hard to change how you work out. It's hard to change some things that you've done. Um, I've seen lots of retirees that think knee circles are something they should do when they work out when I'm not sure exactly the principle of knee circles and what it's going to do for you. But because they did it their whole army career, they they think actually there's value there. And so we have to really realize that we have to make these progress incrementally. And everywhere we have the opportunity to make these small changes, we will. And it won't be the same path for everyone. So although this is an army program and the tenants are the same, the success will make sure that you apply those tenants to each unit properly so that it gets the buy-in and it gets the support and it gets the, the urgency that the Army's asking us to get after readiness so that we can improve readiness of the force. I really like that example because I think sometimes we hold too high of standards for what we're expecting of soldiers. You're like, oh, you're eating Burger King every day. Just stop doing that. Well, yeah, that sounds easy for us to say because maybe that's something that we could do, but that's not something that every soldier is going to be able to do right off the bat. And so, like, I love the motivational interviewing and and making them a part of that decision making process and and giving out what do what do you think you can do as a as a soldier in your eating and or whatever the you know age of tenant might be. I think that's really important. Do you have any recommended like resources if, if anyone wants to learn more about motivational interviewing techniques? Um, you know, we can get those resources to you. You know, I think it's because um, it's pretty standard. I, I, I don't have a, a, a favorite motivational interviewing resource because I think they're all pretty much under the same guidance. But it really is diving in and understanding those principles and how you apply it as a coach, as a teacher and as a mentor and knowing when should you be a coach, when you should be a teacher and when you should be a mentor because they're very different and you want to make sure you finesse those um, as you help the folks in your unit. You know, I, I will say the best way of getting success is to demonstrate it, right? And so, you know, mindfulness is one of the concepts that's part of H2F. And one of the best parts about that is when you teach mindfulness and you teach the breathing techniques and you teach how that can help you focus, and then you take them to the range before and after that, and they see how it improves their marksmanship, they start to get buy-in that this is not something that is, you know, untangible. Like we're not just trying to become healthier for health's sake, but we're actually trying to make sure that you're healthier so that you're more ready, so that you're more lethal, so our army can win our nation's wars. And so when we teach mindfulness, there's a whole bunch of health benefits to it, but it also really is beneficial in improving your marksmanship when you know how to control your breathing, know how to lower your stress rate so that you actually can hit the target better. And so I think it's important that when we show these things, it's not just about um, holistic health from just because you want to be um, completely healthy, 
It's about actually the goal that underlies that, right? And so for some of us, that actually might be improves marksmanship. And others, the goal might actually be able to be able to increase focus so that if you're a cyber warrior, that you can actually better write code and be in the moment and be able to decrease the distraction so that you actually can understand what's going on and execute faster. But all those things, we have to show the benefit. We have to be able to show we're doing this and here's the payoff of doing that. And, I, and I've actually seen some units do this very well. Um, so one example they did at Fort Campbell, they had this major obstacle course, but they had things that people should recognize if they were out in a garrison, I mean, in a field setting and they were deployed and they then tested them afterwards of how many of those visual cues could they remember? Was the car blue or was it red? Um, how many of this was, you know, the person carrying? How many people with a cell phone did you pass um, while you were on this journey? And and being able to bring in the cognitive so that you can tie in the decision dominance while they're physically exerting themselves is really critical. And and I think when they see that when you apply these principles, you can better do that. That's where we get the buy-in. Yeah, one of the things that you that kind of caught my ear there you were, when you were talking was was finding that that true why. You know, okay, I, like I had a patient in the other day that said, oh, because I want to be able to run faster, but it sounded like something that he just wanted me to hear or thought I wanted to hear, and so dug a little bit deeper. Like he really just wants to be able to you know ride his motorcycle for more than 20 minutes without having hip pain. Um, you know, even if that's not necessarily related to the mission, the fact that we get him back functioning better doesn't really matter what the goal is, but just like having that deeper why, whether you're a provider listening to this or you're a soldier that, um, you know, is trying to get, become the, the, the most, the best functioning soldier that you can be. I think that that underlying that deeper why really, you know, figuring that out for yourself is, is very important. Yeah, and you go back to the gentleman with the cheeseburger story. His inner why was his whole life grew up. He wanted to serve four years in the military before he went to college because he thought that was what he wanted to do as his duty to the country. And the idea that he was going to be kicked out due to the body composition program was just against his lifelong goal. And he really wanted to get after that. And I think you're correct. Um, the clinical version of performance triad is called move to health, and there's a wheel that we use, and we kind of help folks that are having an illness or injury see all the things that can be contributing to that. And what we find is that they really are better able to help us identify their why and the underlying challenges when you open up the conversation to holistic health instead of focusing exactly on what brought them into the clinic today. People could have hip pain or they could have migraines or they could have these for a long time and they didn't come into your clinic. What made them come into the clinic? What was that underlying cause? And really understanding that why, you, you, you're so correct. We have to get to that underlying why to really get the buy-in and the, um, the progress that the Army wants us to get with this program. Got it. So switching gears a little bit. Just like in general within your own life, what are some like H2F tenants that you've been focusing on and how do you think that those have like impacted, you know, your general sense of well-being and, and overall health? Yeah, so my husband and I are dual military and he's recently retired, but it was really hard um, at times to be able to take what a normal vacation would be with both of us being dual military. So we decided we would take a journey and do a marathon in all 50 states. And what that allowed us to do is take three-day and four-day weekends 
And although we were running a marathon in all the states, what it really was doing is giving us time to connect to make sure we stayed balanced and we invested in each other as much as we were investing in the mission of the Army. And I will tell you, that has been really paid off. Um, we have uh, been married since 1997, doing well, and we've succeeded in being dual military for so long until he actually just retired. Um, and I think it's because we made time to invest in each other, made sure that we had that shored up, while we also invested in our health by doing a marathon in all 50 states. Halfway through, we thought it would have been better to do a cheesecake in all 50 states. It would have been a little easier, but probably not as rewarding when we finished. Um, but, we, you know, I, we were the first military folks to do that. And I'm really proud that we found a way to invest in our physical health, but also invest in our mental and emotional health at the same time. And I think that was really critical. That's awesome, ma'am. I, I might have to have another conversation with you about I'm also doing military, but cross cross branches. My wife is Navy. So uh, definitely some challenges around that. I think that if I was running a a, a marathon, though, it probably would take up that entire three day weekend and <laughs> wouldn't actually get any time with her. So we might have to figure out something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. So just to kind of close out, you know, I know that you're really involved in this COVID mission and development of therapeutics and wondering if you could just kind of give us a little bit of an update of, of what's going on with those and, and, and what we have to look forward to and, and what the science is showing. Yeah, I have the pleasure of working with General Perna on uh, the operation, really the federal COVID-19 response for both therapeutics and um, vaccine, vaccines. Um, I'm his deputy lead for um, therapeutics. And so right now we have uh, three emergency use authorizations for monoclonal antibodies and one emergency use authorization for convalescent plasma. And we're really proud of that progress. Um, today, we just went over 400,000 people that we've helped with monoclonal antibodies. And that really decreases your risk for hospitalization and death by 70 to 87 percent based on the study you read. And so that's a lot of mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and grandmas and grandpas that are still part of um, their family and didn't die um, because of these therapeutics. So it's been a, an honor of my life to be able to serve on General Perna's team and be able to really help the whole nation get through this pandemic. Vaccines are clearly providing us hope. And I am so impressed with the vaccine team. These are some of the safest vaccines I've ever seen. They're incredibly effective um, and they're giving us hope. But if you get COVID-19 and you're at high risk for hospitalization and death, these monoclonal antibodies give us help. They help people avoid hospitalizations and death. Um, and so just so excited to actually be able to um, be part of the team that's helping our nation both with the hope of the future and being out of this pandemic and the help for those that actually get COVID-19. Yeah, it's so exciting to see us, you know, turn this corner and, and return to some sense of normalcy. So thank you for being a part of that. And thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for doing this. And thank you for helping um, be part of the change um, to get after the Army's vision of holistic health and fitness. Podcasts like this, getting people to get the idea, the vision. It's really important to have these conversations. And I am very impressed that you've spearheaded this podcast series. Well done. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks. All right, everyone. Just have one more quick ask before you go. Uh, if you got something out of or you just enjoyed this week's episode, it'd really mean a lot if you could take the time to either subscribe, review, or share this podcast with your family, friends, 
fellow servicemen and women, uh, whoever you think you know might be able to benefit from it. Uh, my goal is it really is to reach as many people as possible and, and to hopefully help them find better health and wellness. So if you could uh, you know, take the time to do this, it would really mean a lot. Uh, thanks, everyone. I hope you have a great rest of your day.